Hey there, you're listening to a new episode of the Darius Faru Show. On today's episode, my guest is Penny Phillips, who is the co-founder of Journey Strategic Wealth and the founder of Trivos Consulting, both firms in the financial consulting space uh, targeted towards financial advisors. And I invited Penny on the podcast because she's been sharing a lot of interesting content on Twitter and YouTube. And I stumbled upon it and I thought it was really valuable. So I reached out and asked whether she wanted to be on the show. And it turned out to be a very interesting conversation that wasn't only about finance, but also about her journey, trying to figure out what she wanted to do after college and how she built a career in finance as a woman. And that is something that she talks about as well on her own channels, but also a lot on this episode, which was which I really enjoyed because you know we didn't only talk about finance, but we also talked about values, growing up, the support system that you need to thrive in life and in business, and a lot of other things. So if you're interested in these things and also are interested in finance, you will definitely love this episode. Let's get right into it. I'm really curious to hear uh, what got you excited about investing and finance. You know, it's a funny question because I I don't think I was that excited about finance when I got into finance. I went to school for finance, corporate finance and economics here in the U.S. Uh, and at the London School of Economics. And but I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do within the industry. And I met someone right before graduating college that said to me, if you're going to go into financial services, you should go into sales. And so I actually started my career as a uh, in the wholesaling side, wholesaling and distributing mutual funds to financial advisors. Mm. And so that was my first foray into finance and and learning about the advisory business and, and learning about financial advisors. And since then, I did that for about a year. I've spent the rest of my career consulting and coaching financial advisors and working with financial institutions. So it was a different sort of way to get started in the business, but it's it's worked really well for me. And, and working with advisors, consulting them, and now running a firm for them, that's my, that's my bread and butter, Darius. Yeah, yeah. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about what you do later, but one of the things that I'm always interested in is um, you know, a, a person's backstory and uh, just going even back earlier before you got uh, into college, like, you know, growing up was money something that was on your mind often because I, you know, I studied business and finance as well myself. And um, I got a job as a mutual fund advisor at a bank and, or before that I started selling just banking products <laughs> at the bank, <laughs> just like credit cards yep. and stuff like that and loans. Um, but but I, growing up, I was always um, interested in earning money because, you know, growing up as immigrants, my family, you know, living from paycheck to paycheck. And I always had this urge to earn. And, you know, like many people, I saw the movie Wall Street and Boiler Room, <laughs> right? And I was JT like, Marlin, yep, <laughs> absolutely. And I, and I thought to myself, that's the way to get rich. Uh, <laughs> what was your uh, kind of story? I, 
well, first of all, how real can I get on this podcast? Because well, I, I, I started with the, you know, the professional answer to your first question. <laughs> but the real answer is I went into finance because I wanted to make money. Yeah. I originally wanted to go to law school. I worked for an attorney all through high school, all through college, uh, you know, wanted to, to go the legal route and then knew that I didn't want to do four more years of school and Wall Street and boiler room and all. I said, I got to get on Wall Street. I can make a lot of money doing that. And, you know, our stories are probably slightly similar. I'm the child of immigrants from Greece. My, you know, parents and, and grandparents came here with nothing and hustling and entrepreneurship and, you know, building something out of nothing runs in my family. Now, no one had ever gone into financial services or any sort of white collar job. Mm. Everybody I know made money in real estate, owning restaurants and diners or nightclubs. For me, I knew that it's a different era. I wasn't going to, you know, start opening pizzerias and diners. But I, I, I sort of said, I think, I think maybe... Maybe I could do this, you know, Wall Street thing. And so it, it truly, I, I got in because I wanted to make money and I knew there weren't a lot of women in in the industry mm. and I knew that I had guts. And so I, I went in and to this day, Darius, nobody in my family knows what I do. I, people know I'm in business. <laughs> they have no idea what I do. They just know I make money yeah. and I'm in business. That's it. Yeah, I can relate to that as well. It's like <laughs> most of my family members also have no clue. And they've never, like most of them, have never read my books either. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. They've never seen anyone. I've done thousands of podcasts and presentations. Yeah. They've never, they've probably never seen one of them. So yeah. So well, <laughs> the one way like they usually, or we talk about it is like, they're like, Oh yeah, we get the live version of it. Right. But I know it's like, it's not their thing. right? <laughs> but, yeah. They don't get it, but it's yeah. okay. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's our thing. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. And as for anyone, you know, who wants to build something of their own, their own career. And, you know, a lot of my audience are people, who are either starting something new or switching careers or trying to build something new or grow their business or, you know, anything. And you always get those types of um, experiences and it doesn't hold you and it shouldn't never hold you back from pursuing what you really want. I totally agree. And I attribute my family, even though I love my family to death. I talk about them on Twitter all the time. They're hilarious. Mm. Big fat Greek family. <laughs> They've never helped me professionally, right? Or even to get through school. But the values that they instilled in me was all I ever needed to be successful in this business. Mm -hmm. I mean, having guts, having confidence, having an authority issue, not taking no for an answer. It, it's it, it was that sort of attitude, I think, that got me out of the corporate world quickly and mm -hmm. into building my first business and now the, the second one, which I'm sure I'll talk about. But I, if you think about, and I'm curious for you too, when I think about when I was playing pretend as a kid, my sister was playing with her dolls and, and pretending to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And I was pretending that I worked in an office and was mm -hmm. like firing people and making deals with people. So it's, it yeah. sort of was always in me. And yeah. I give my parents a lot of credit um, for, for saying, go do whatever you want to do. We have your back. And that's, that's all I needed. Yeah. That's, that's really important. I can totally relate to that as well, because my parents always stressed the value of education and in my family, no one ever graduated 
college. And um, so my parents realized, you know, it's like, it's really important to do that. And they also encouraged me to not get jobs early on. Well, like I was like 14, 15, and my friends would have jobs and they were like, yeah, just go study. And that's something that I really appreciate as well. You know, looking back, I think that was pretty important for me because I got to enjoy studying and learning. So, you know, and and the values thing that you mentioned, I can totally relate to that as well, because having those types of values, it's really important to stay grounded because it's it's a very distracting, uh, not, not only world, but the world of finance can also be very distracting and entrepreneurship. Um, I, I'm just curious to hear more about your drive, right? Like, do, do you think you just mentioned it briefly already? Like you, you felt like you wanted to be in an office early on. Like what kind of age can you remember? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Like eight, nine years old, like just wanting to make stuff happen and, yeah. you know, be, but, and I really look at that because I, I just think it's so, it's interesting where my career has taken me and what, how I was as a, as a child. And, and I, and I, again, I give my parents credit for not, forcing me down a different pathway because especially as an immigrant woman in a very mm-hmm. cultural conservative family the thought of me going into business they really struggled the thought of me going to london to go to school at lse mm. was my father had a heart attack yeah. so just very old school thinking but but at the same time they always told me you can do whatever you want and and yeah. i i always had a little bit of an attitude and did my own thing and so I just knew that I wanted to lead and make decisions and make a lot of money. And so mm-hmm. financial services ended up being a great a great fit for me. But I also yeah. worked a lot as a kid from 14. And the idea of making money and having freedom and independence, you know, that was very attractive to me from a very young age. Yeah, that that I feel like people can be totally honest about what drives you uh, to, and, and some people find it a little bit uncomfortable to say, well, I just want to make money. I don't want to get rich, etc." cetera. And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, you know, because most people I know who say those type of things I'll, I'll always have a purpose or reason like, uh, you know, f- f- many immigrants and myself included, like I wanted to get wealthy to make sure that my parents could retire, you know, initially. And then obviously get some other, uh, goals as well. I relate on the deepest level. And if anyone follows me on social media, I just talked about buying a house. I bought that house for my parents so that they can retire. So the only thing driving me now, and, and it changed about, I would say a year into being in the business, mm-hmm. like 21 years old, I get into finance, financial services, and I'm like, okay, the sales thing is very easy for me. I could probably make a lot of money, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel very purposeful in the work, mm-hmm. which is why transitioning into consulting and business coaching ended up being the best thing ever because it, it's fulfilling work for me and it also allows me to be financially secure. But what I felt was if one of us is going to make it in this family, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to help each other. And we, my family has always had that. I love my parents to death, but my dad owns a mom and mom and pop music store. He still does. <laughs> and, and, you know, there, there came a time where I, where I realized I'd probably have to 
sort of help them think about retirement and and think about the next phase. And so my my only motivation now is the, my family who's given me everything, maybe not mm-hmm. monetarily, but but from a emotional, I guess, support yeah. standpoint, giving back is definitely the biggest driver for me now. Yeah, so I relate. And it's really, I think, uh, the the best drive, you know, like things related to family, uh, love relationships, uh, children, um, etc. Like stuff that uh, really uh, gets you on a deeper level is the stuff that lasts. And, and it's the motivation that you really need because you briefly mentioned it as a woman in finance. Everybody faces struggles and challenges, right? And during those moments when you want to give up, you need something to to move forward. And what was for you like the the first kind of big challenge that you faced growing up, um, building your career? Can you remember, or maybe some some? Oh yeah, I mean, there's so many. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what what challenges have I faced? Um, what was the first first time <laughs> where you <laughs> the first time where you thought thought to yourself like, can I do this? Yeah. It's a it, and it's it's a really good deep question. I would say I never had a doubt about whether I'd succeed at, in in the business. I didn't know exactly how, but the first I would say major sort of eye opening moment was realizing how how much people would underestimate me because of my age. Not even about mm-hmm. gender. That's like a whole other topic, but I, I, and I say this openly, I've faced yeah. far more ageism than I mm. have sexism. Mm-hmm. You know, people assume you're 23 years old. How could you possibly have any yeah. advice that would be relevant to me? I've been in the business 30 years and I remember being part of some, a presentation contest at the time that the mutual fund company I was working at was holding and people people really underestimated my ability to, I won that contest, by the way. Um, it was like pitch a, pitch a product idea to a, to a group of people. But but I remember thinking, wow, this is going to, and I look young and I know that. I'm like, this is going to be something that I'll have to deal with for a long time. I still face it to some extent, but mm. but recognizing that people are going to judge you and then, and then possibly not even want to work with you, that mm. was the first time I had faced that. Mm. And it, it is something that couple that with being a woman, couple that with growing up not wealthy, mm-hmm. public school, New York City, CUNY school. Um, it, it was almost like I did not fit the profile of a yeah. successful person in our business at all yeah. and still don't to this day. Yeah, it's totally true, right? Because uh, if you want to get, you know, I don't know if this, this is uh, still the case, but if you you know, want to get into uh, these big investment banks, you know, where you studied is probably the most important thing, right? It's, I remember interviewing right out of school and they'd asked for my resume and I went to a school, it was a brand new school in New York City called Macaulay, very small school. Mm. No one had ever heard of it. And you're interviewing at these firms and I blew one interview at a private equity company and thank God I never went to work for them. But mm-hmm. I, I, that interview, every other interview I did, that one I remember doing horribly. And I, and I remember feeling so intimidated by all these Ivy League graduates mm-hmm. and Harvard. Yeah. And I remember the interview that ultimately got me my first job. 
I took a totally different approach and this will give you every indication of the type of person I am. I'm 21 years old with my resume. They had never heard of the school and they were like, what school is this? And I'm like, if you haven't heard of this school, there's something wrong with your company. You need to be looking at this school produces people like me. And I just talked it up so much and they hired me and you know, but, but I remember feeling very intimidated. And then I started working. I worked with all guys. Mm. Everyone was born and raised in wealthy neighborhoods. They went to private schools. They went to boarding schools. And I'm a kid from New York city who has no connections to the business. So it's a very, you, you develop a chip on your shoulder for sure. And I I think I still have that all these years later. Yeah. Well, I can tell from your mentality and your (laughs) attitude, (laughs) but but also, okay. Did you ever have a moment where you thought, can I do this? Well, no. And that's also honest, which I really appreciate because you, you need that self-belief. I, a while ago, I stumbled upon this article where the author kind of made fun of self-belief and self-confidence where, where he was like, I didn't I read the whole thing because I, after a few paragraphs was like, I don't agree with this at all, but it was like, <laughs> but it was like kind of making fun of like believing in yourself uh, and, 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 and self-talk, et cetera. But I, I think it's one of the most important things because if at that moment you would, would have told yourself, well, I don't know if I can do it or I should probably go do what my family does or whatever, then you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now. You and I are kindred spirits. I'm happy I met because everything you're saying is stuff that I relate to. And I've actually never talked about this on any podcast, I don't mm-hmm. think. But what I would do in my, especially in my early 20s, when I started speaking on stage, which was a totally new thing for me and presenting, mm-hmm. and I would spend, and I'm a little bit obsessed with work, uh, admittedly, but I would every drive, every time I'd travel, if I was on a plane, if I was driving to to my office or wherever, I would just imagine what success felt like for me in my head. I have spent literally thousands of hours imagining myself on the cover of Forbes. I'll never get there maybe, but it's irrelevant. It's Mm -hmm. what did that, what would that feel like? What would I have? What would that enable me to do? I have dreamt about being able to buy my parents a home with a pool near the Hamptons for 20 years. And so now that it actually happened, it's crazy, but but it's thousands of hours of envisioning it for yourself. And I attribute mm-hmm. that to a lot of my success. Yeah, I, I think like I can relate to that as well as I, you know, and I still do this as well, where I kind of visualize certain uh, potential uh, events that I would like to happen. I remember, uh, you know, uh, growing up, I would visualize myself, uh, you know, doing interviews or whatever, <laughs> kind of <laughs> talking in my head, <laughs> uh, giving That's answers. Amazing. Yeah. And, uh, but also like f- for me, you know, growing up here in the Netherlands and starting uh, writing online uh, early on, I was, you know, self-publishing my books. And I started thinking about and visualizing, you know, trying to get a book deal and working out um, something with a publisher that I look up to. And, you know, when that happened, I was like, okay, I kind of, you know, plant this out, you know, and then, and, and it happens. Um, you feel good about it. And then you start working on the next thing. Absolutely. Because, <laughs> because yeah. if you sit still. Oh yeah. But I mean, I, it, but the, the other thing too is, 
and I say it on these podcasts sometimes, like I just said it to you and I don't, I'm not successful. Like I don't feel successful. I have accomplished things that I have wanted to accomplish and mm-hmm. I certainly have financial freedom and have helped my family, but it it doesn't, and maybe this isn't a great thing, but always reminding myself that there is so much you can achieve in mm-hmm. life and in certainly in this industry. And so the vision work, yes, but but never feeling sort of comfortable has been helpful to me. Mm-hmm. The negative side to it is sometimes that can turn into negative self-talk. Like, mm-hmm. why am I not making more? Why am I yeah. not doing more? And that, that you have to find the balance there. And so when people say you're so successful, I'm always like, I'm really not that successful. Like I'm, it's, I don't feel that at all. Yeah. But, and that that's probably because you compare yourself to yourself or future self. I've, I've heard people doing that as well. And it's a really I, good point. Yeah, and I and I I think any type of comparison should always be with yourself because if you compare yourself with others, I don't think that's realistic at all because you know people have totally different backgrounds and uh, totally different opportunities. Um, and I recently wrote an article about the desire for more and how that leads often to unhappiness. So I can kind of you know, feel what you were saying as well. You know, it's like, that's something that I've experienced myself. And uh, I can, I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, so you graduate college, you know, uh, and you, you don't have, you, you, you didn't go to an Ivy league school, but you're ambitious. You want to make it, you want to get rich. You're 21 years old. You finally get a job and there's all guys there you're out of place right and then i think and i think the most important thing is okay like i don't fit the profile right but i'm I'm still going to make it and i think in on, on average like somehow people have this um mindset that well everybody's smart or everybody's successful or everybody went to this awesome college or whatever but if you look at the the numbers it's just like less than one percent of people that go to these fancy places or whatever, and they have certain backgrounds. Most people are just normal and, and they find a way to break free. Right. Right. And, and that's, I think what, you know, this podcast is what I primarily focus on, you know, the journey and personal growth, but obviously also, you know, building wealth, but um, I feel like that's something that you really mastered along the way. And early on in your twenties, and, I, and, and, and it doesn't matter when you do it, right? Like what matters, you're on the journey. Um, so talk a little bit about how you went from working for someone and then starting to think about, oh, well, maybe I should build something for myself. I, and part, it's, it's funny to look back on, on it because I never thought I would leave the corporate world when I started. And when I started, there were a handful of women, but- the message to women at the time in that firm was uh, be become you know the marketing person mm. or the relationship yeah. management person and i remember yeah. thinking no i want to be either the top salesman or the ceo that's it so i i was really obsessively focused with focused on getting to the place that a people didn't think 
I could get to or and be just dominating all the guys in, in the firm. And so I, I just thought that would be my whole career yeah. because you just I didn't I never had any mentor to this day, mm-hmm. Darius. I talk about this a lot. I I have not had any formal mentors. I've had mm-hmm. some people who I've wanted to emulate. I think that's been good for me. I don't recommend that for everybody, by the way, but not having a mentor and really marching to the beat of my own drum is Mm. to this day the best thing I ever did. I was working and then, so here I am thinking I'm going to spend my whole career in corporate and seven years in, I'm like, okay, that's, I'm done. I did enough. And the reason ultimate, so I jumped around, I left one firm, I got recruited by another firm a tech company that I loved working for, went to work at a different firm. And I probably can't talk about the actual reasons why, but I will give you this one story. I was really working very hard consulting and I got into a really bad car accident and I was exhausted. I'd been running and just busting my ass for a long time Mm -hmm. and get into this car accident, total my car, break my hand, concussion, the whole nine yards. And everything changed after that moment. And mm-hmm. I, f- for a couple years before that, I I had started to, I remember somebody said to me, you'll always be an amazing number two. Mm-hmm. To this day, I've never forgot that. And that was probably like, maybe like eight years ago. I remember somebody said that to me and I'm, and up until that point, I'm like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be the, the VP and the COO and, and that'll be my thing. And then the car accident happens. Mm-hmm. And I remember my parents came and, and my, that night I sort of said, I, I think I'm going to make a tremendous change. Mm-hmm. And my parents had no idea what that meant. But again, I go back to the support and I just remember my father saying to me, like, we have your back, you know, we have your back. What, and whatever that meant. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. it, whatever it meant. And he, he said yeah. it in a very rough way. My dad's a really rough guy, but sort of like, <laughs> you know, cause I was worried about how do I leave yeah. and you know, I'm going to hurt people's feelings. And my dad's like, I can't curse yeah. on this podcast. Right. But he was like, F that just do it. And so that, that changed everything. I, I left the company I was at. I launched a consulting company and um, it took off. And then I realized within a couple months, this is what I was destined to do. Yeah. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, but there is never a good time to make the jump. And my business partner now is somebody I had spoken to years ago about starting my first business. And I remember him saying that to me, he said, mm-hmm. it will never feel good to jump in. Yeah. So you got to just do it. And, I, and I'm obviously very happy I did. That's really fascinating. So I, I I wrote down two things that I want to unpack a little bit more. Uh, the the mentor thing, got some thoughts about that, and 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 some people are always curious about that. So you got a a different view on that, which I think is amazing. So, but but the the moment that things change for you is um is something that reminds me of what changed for me. So. In 2014, I also took a couple detours. Like I got out of finance and I started a company with my dad. And then I wanted to get back in the corporate world. And then I started working for the IT research firm Gartner, which is based in the, in the US. But I worked in London. Um, and and I was climbing the corporate ladder. I was kind of enjoying it a little bit for a while. But my grandmother passed away. 
And that was a moment for me to think about what I actually wanted to do in life because she was quite miserable for the, you know, the largest part of her life, her later years, because she did not really enjoy living in the Netherlands. She wanted to live back in Iran where my family comes from. And, and my grandfather was like, no, you know, it's like all our, like our kids are here. So we need to stay here. And so she was always miserable. And I, and I kind of inspired me somehow weirdly, right? Like that happens. And it made me think, you know, I need to do something to avoid that destiny. Right. So uh, I, I don't know that th those moments are so impactful, right? Changes the course of your life. Yeah. I've had those moments in my personal life, not more than my professional life where I'm like, I don't want to make the same mistakes. I've seen so many people make from that mm -hmm. generation yeah. getting married at 20, 21, having kids, a lot of, you know, women I know married with three kids right now that are in elementary school. And I, you know, don't have kids and chose to really focus on my mm -hmm. career. And so, but, but professionally that moment of, what's the worst that could happen if I'm on my own? I'm in the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. I work, I'm not happy. The money doesn't mean anything. And I just almost died in a car accident. How much worse could it be if I'm on my own for six months trying to figure stuff out? And so I'm very thankful for that moment because it, it did, I, I think I would have ended up as an entrepreneur anyway, but it, it forced it sooner, yeah. which was the best thing for me. And if I, if I didn't know myself, and that's another big theme I talk about, you really have to know what you're made of. If you don't, you will get lost in business and you will get lost in, in this industry for sure. Yeah. And just period in life and in, in your career, or it doesn't matter what type of career you're pursuing without self-knowledge you you're, uh, and without values. I feel like that's something that, that, will happen to even the best and most ambitious people. And uh, just like the reminder of your own mortality, such a, such an, an effective thing to kind of give you that push that you need to go and, and start building or not network. And in our case, it's like building something, but for somebody else could be something totally different. What matters is that like we all, I feel like everybody has this type of, uh, natural instinct to do something. And I feel most people's lives are dedicated to kind of suppressing that. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. And couple it with, and I have a, a, a lot of friends, a lot of Greek friends, a lot of friends whose parents are from Iran. The, and as women, the guilt that you are raised mm. with around yeah. standing by your family. I mean, I was not allowed to go away to school. Um, when I went to London, I told my parents a week before, I didn't even tell them I applied. I told my father <laughs> a week before because I knew he'd freak out, you know, yeah. living away from my parents at 19, I wasn't allowed to go away to school. You're raised with all, and to this day, I still live 10 minutes from my freaking parents because I yeah. can't escape them. I love them uh, and they'll never <laughs> listen to this. So it doesn't matter what I say, but, um, you know, that guilt of the, the commitment and the loyalty to family it's good, but it, it also, I have seen it hold a lot of people back and people in my own family. I think about my mom who is brilliant 
and in another life would have been the CEO of a company. Mm. But it, it just, the, the cultural value sometimes as good as they are, they can hold you back as well. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that gives, you know, everyone, uh, you know, who, who's listening, and everybody who's striving, even more reason to go after it because you might end up in those types of situations. And it's like, obviously, it's not all bad where, you don't have to be depressed or everything, anything like when, when things happen. And like my mom, my mom also could have uh, done certain things that, you know, she sometimes talks about, but uh, obviously no regrets, you know, raising a family. But at the same time, there are uh, certain things that y- you end up regretting. And uh, I feel like that for me, that's always a good driver um, to, to design my life in a way that I'm, I'm really pleased. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied when I wake up and, you know, go through my day. I'm like, Oh, okay. This, I like my life. You know, it's like, that's kind of a good measure for me. It's amazing. And it's, I, I, and I tell people all the time, if you have your, your natural network is like my natural network outside of financial service. And maybe this is why I've done well is because my work life and my personal life are completely separate. I am surrounded by very cultural people who can't understand why I want to travel so much and not be married already. So Mm -hmm. putting that to the side, I had a, a life coach that I hired from very early on. I had a therapist I hired from very early on being okay with, especially as a woman, doubling down on a side of yourself that other people don't accept or understand. If you can do that and get support, Mm. you are going to be fine. Even if you feel like, I don't know if I can be an entrepreneur, you know, you've Mm got to get a support, a mental, you get your mental game has to be right for you to really hit full throttle. If if you're going to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, definitely. I feel mentally and also physically, if you don't feel good, then, you you can also never perform at your best. Um, so I think that that's pretty cool that you hire people and you, you, you had that um, insight to hire people to, you know, as co- as a coach, et cetera. I, th- I think that's really good because maybe, is that maybe why you did not have ne- like necessarily have mentors because sometimes mentors can kind of do that. Um, that's a good question. I think I didn't have mentors because I don't like to listen to people. (laughs) I mean, look, (laughs) except, you know, it's so funny because then I became a certified coach and and coaches don't real actual the coaching discipline, which is why coaches are so effective. They never tell you what to do. Coaches assume that you have a genius inside of you and it's their job to pull it out. So that sort of structure where allowing me to create what I wanted in a safe space, that was very helpful to me. But keep in mind, I started my career in an institution which I have a ton of respect for and love, but most of the people I was surrounded by were people who had been at the company 30 years. They wanted to retire at that company, very old, old world thinking, Mm. you know, older. And I come in and I'm like, well, why are we having so many meetings? And that doesn't make sense. And this person should not be my boss. They're very stupid. Like it was, and by the way, that's not in anyone to anyone in particular, but (laughs) I was, I was constantly listening. Yeah. In case one of my bosses is, uh, (laughs) yeah, no, but it, it was always that I always felt 
aggravated. And that's the simplest way to put it. And I remember being pulled into all these, and look, they saw a young woman who could talk on stage. And so everybody was like, we need you in this leadership program. And Mm. I remember thinking, I don't respect most of the people who are delivering the workshops. So, and, and for a very long time, I thought I was the problem because every firm I worked at, I felt that same way. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think things should be done this way. I don't believe you need to, like, I, I always used to say, why would I climb the ladder when I could take an elevator? I always used to say that. And I still think that to this day, that doesn't work Mm -hmm. for everybody, but that was my mentality. Like, why do I need to bust my ass for 30 years to make the same amount of money as that guy when I'm smarter than that guy? So, and you can tell I'm getting aggravated right now. So that's (laughs) why I can't be mentored, Darius. All right. That's the reason. But, but I've found mentor, like my, one of my business partners is, has been a mentor to me, Mm -hmm. but not in a pressure way in just like a, here's some advice here, you know, so that's, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't everybody, but uh, don't we all? Yes. uh, So, but uh, yeah, when it comes to mentors, uh, I don't know. So I have certain people that I look up, uh, look to as friends, but also people have some experience in certain things and talk about, uh, particularly when I was, uh, you know, uh, trying to figure things out, you know, what direction they want to take, etc. Uh, it was really helpful. But at the same time, I, I do relate to your story as well, because sometimes I get emails from readers who say, well, I don't have a mentor in my you know, surroundings or there's no one that I could reach out to or no one that I could have a conversation with. Well, that's fine. You don't need to have a mentor just because you know you've read about it online so you know right like some people say oh it's great to have mentors doesn't mean that you have to do it so true and i say that about all the stuff i see online about because i i read all this stuff and i've read all the books and Mm -hmm. and it's like you gotta have a mentor and you gotta be wake up at 4 30 and meditate and you go to the gym and all this stuff and it's like or you don't have to do that and you can still be successful. And mm-hmm. what I found that now though, in thinking about it is when I did go to launch the first business, the consulting business, the first thing I did was make a call to five different people who I really trusted. Are they formal mentors? No, but they're mm-hmm. people who I trusted their judgment, A. B, I liked the way they moved in the industry. And what I mean by that is anyone who talks exactly how I'm talking to you is how I Mm -hmm. talk in real life. I have a very thick New York accent. I don't try to hide it. I curse a lot. People who are very genuine and comfortable in their own skin are people I tend to gravitate to. So I've, I have gravitated to people like that and I can pick up a a phone and, and call them and, and they'll listen to me. But but you don't have to have this overly formalized mentorship structure and yeah. it doesn't have to be like that. Surround yourself by people who, who you vibe with and, and that can be enough for you. It, it was for me. Yeah. And by the way, I don't 
mind cursing. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. We're, 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 we're on <laughs> yeah. national TV, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but uh, yeah, I, I, I relate to that because when I was at the corporation, I remember they had this formal mentor mentoring program and they assigned me a mentor who they thought would kind of connect with me because he also grew up in the Netherlands, but I don't know that to me, that doesn't mean anything, you know, like people can grow up in the same country, but still be totally different. <laughs> so I didn't connect with that guy at all. Right. And, and, and that was uh, who they set me up with. And I, I probably had one or two conversations with him and I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really like you. <laughs> and then there was someone in my team, a uh, guy originally from Jamaica, his name is Andre. And, you know, I'm still friends with him and, and he was in my team and he was a lot more experienced. And I really connected with him and we would go out, have dinner and talk. And he, he would just, you know, talk about his, his, the things that he learned. If he saw me going through something or if I talked about something, he was like, you know, here's how I did it or here's what I've seen. And, and I always found that very useful. One of the most important lessons that I learned from him is that uh, perception is reality on oh, the yeah. world, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> and that's one of the lessons that I, I, I've kind of hated because if you're always thinking about perception, uh, then you can get mixed up in the wrong activities, I feel. But at the same time, if you don't, people start judging you at work. And I, that's one of those things that I was like, yeah, this, this is not for me, the whole corporate world, but... It, it wasn't for me either. And yeah. I've built a firm now where the culture is the culture that I wish I would, I would have entered into. And a part of it is an age thing. The next generation or, or, or I mean, our gener, I'm 33. This generation is different. So yeah. I, I've been able to build that, but I, I very much struggled with identity mm. in the bigger firms. Yeah. Am I this bossy, you know, troublemaker? Am I this Greek girl who's like, it, it just, and I've written about that. I remember writing a blog about this for the Huffington Post years ago. Mm -hmm. And I found over time, I've, I've, I've sort of accepted all sides of myself. And I think as an entrepreneur, that's another really important piece of this is yeah. you have to come to a place where you accept all the ways in which you show yeah. up and, but it takes a long time to get there and it, and it takes a yeah. lot of work on yourself. And I, the, the people I want to emulate or the people who I respect are people who are self-aware and have worked on themselves yeah. outside of the business. And what's something or some things that help you to be more comfortable with who you are, are just kind of more like you probably, you sound like someone who you knew yourself from early on, but probably more like uh, just being yourself, yes. executing, right? All the yes. time. Yes. And early, you know, I always would tell myself, and I even tell young people today who reach out to me and they say, I don't want to leave this firm because I just left a firm a year ago and it's going to make me look bad. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, I, I could care. I mean, I went to yeah. five different firms. I could care less. I'm like, yeah. I could sell myself to somebody. I'm not yeah. ever going to worry about what my resume looks like. But if you don't, if you can't do that self-talk, if mm -hmm. you can't tell yourself, 
if you can't be your own hype person, and there's a fine line between being having an ego and being not self-aware, by the way, the majority of people in our business are not Mm self-aware and don't deserve to have the success they have. Well, that's, that's a really, now I'm getting crazy, but that's, I agree with the self-awareness thing. I've seen that. Zero self-awareness. And you learn that people who really are not that astute or or self-aware can really succeed. So I told myself early on, if I can be self-aware and also be the best at what I'm doing, I'll be fine. And, but that takes a lot of confidence. And again, I bring it back to my family. I I had a family that, you know, my, my, my dad would say, if anyone, you know, if anyone, (laughs) I remember, um, someone I've gone through, you know, a couple incidents at in the big firms where someone said something inappropriate or whatever. And I just remember thinking after the whole me too thing, Mm -hmm. because at the time I wasn't even thinking that it was that bad. Then me too, you look back and you're like, oh, wow, I've been through that a million times. But I remember, you know, going to my family and talking to whomever, my dad and, and them just being like, you know, quit or go in there and, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? HR is going to call you. So I just never had a fear of authority, which that's a whole other thing. But but that's like, that's safety net. Oh, yes. I, I totally agree because, um, uh, also, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? The whole uh, resume example, I've heard that as well from people and my former co-workers who stayed in jobs they hated for years. Honestly, like years, so it looks good on a resume. Um, but but uh, but also the, the thing you mentioned about um, workplaces, etc., and the whole Me Too thing, and I feel like in finance, because it's such an old and traditional and such a weird industry, if you really look into it, like I'm, I'm writing now my book and I'm profiling investors. And one of the people I'm writing a profile on is Geraldine Weiss, mm-hmm. one of the first uh, successful female uh, investors and, uh, you know, who started a newsletter. And, and you know, she talked a lot about how she got started and when she uh, applied for jobs uh, on wall street i think in the 50s or for early 60s they laughed her out of the offices and they were like yeah just go and be a secretary and and she also could not she just couldn't find a job at all right and then she was like yeah screw everything i'm just going to start my own thing and then the sick thing is she found a partner and then they signed uh, both of the newsletters with their name and the one signed Geraldine Weiss didn't get responses. And then she changed it to G Weiss. And then all of a sudden they That's started wild. getting re- re- responses. That's so sick. Right. Yeah. And then, so and then she reveals her identity on wall street week and then she had real good results and then people started to care less, but it just shows how, how prejudiced people are, you know, and, and, I feel to a degree that's still still the case. And that's why I really appreciate and respect people who take their own path and who like, you know, I don't have to put up with this, but I, that doesn't mean I'm going to judge the whole industry or whatever. So I'm not going to say goodbye. I'm just going to do it my way. That's right. And I, I'm glad you said that because I, it is a sick industry and it's still, listen, a lot has changed, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of the same stuff going on. And people often ask me, when is it going to change? And I'm like, a generation needs to turn over. I mean, people need to, 
age out of the industry before it really changes, but some of it will never change. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I never had a moment. And when I hear women say, it made me want to leave the industry or I left the industry. I, I, it had the reverse effect on me, honestly. And mm. I don't know if that's just something innate. I don't know. I don't know if it's yeah. cultural. It made me want to be more successful anytime I, and yeah. I've had really horrific things. And some people know said to me, and I've had people slap my ass. I've had the all, mm-hmm. it all has happened. It never made me say, oh my God, I'm not good enough or they don't see me. It made me say, I want that guy's job tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so I don't I don't know where that comes from. I don't necessarily yeah. know if that's a good thing, but <laughs> it, it, it just made me want to A, stay in it to prove yeah. a point and B, and now once I got a little bit more well-known, mm-hmm. change it. And now yeah. I am changing it because I've built a firm and can change it. So yeah. it's all come full circle, really. Yeah, and I feel like that's something you can do. And and also, I hope you know more people like you will do because we need that stuff to happen because otherwise it will never change. Um, and, and, and the whole thing that I always find real twisted is that how for years or I don't know, probably still, this stuff happens where people are made to believe that certain things are normal. So true. And, 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 and that, that, that's not only, you know, with sexism, but also in terms of uh, work culture and the responsibilities people, uh, you know, put on themselves, you know, by their higher ups, etc. There's a lot of stuff, you know, that, that, that just burns people out. And then, and then what happens is they quit after several years of putting up with things and then they feel like they need to go and sit under a tree or something and meditate for (laughs) the rest of their lives. And I think that's really a waste, you know, like I I totally agree with you. I also noticed, and I don't know if you've noticed this through all the stuff you've done, but I noticed that there was a specific persona of, I don't predator is too strong of a term, but there was, there was, I've run into this a very similar persona of person in our business, probably narcissistic. Mm-hmm. I, I, they probably been diagnosed as a narcissist and, and, and this, this idea of, you know, you make it gaslighting. And I never knew what gaslighting mm-hmm. meant. One, once I looked up the term, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. that's basically, you know, m- most people I've worked for. But <laughs> what I've noticed is there, there's this persona of <laughs> most people, <laughs> most people, but we, you know, and a lot of, anyway, yeah. it's, I, I, I really thought about it one day. I'm like, gosh, there's so many similarities between all these people who create miserable working lives for others. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a correlation between not being popular in high school and then getting into business, making money, mm-hmm. having quote unquote power because you're speaking on stage, you, you know, you, yeah. you're promoted, you're on podcasts and all of a sudden you become a total asshole. And so yeah. This industry can be, quote unquote, dangerous because money changes people mm-hmm. and and power, even if it's within the confines of an institution, changes people. And so you really have to be careful of that, in, in, first of all, in yourself, but also when you're working for people. Yeah, that's the I, I, I can totally relate to that because 
the thing you said, like money changes people. It, it, it's something that sometimes people say, well, you know, money um, highlights certain things of your character. Uh, that's probably true. And, and sometimes it changes people. And I, I think that also happens quite a lot. And and we didn't even, we're almost out of the hour, but uh, we didn't even talk about your current firm and how you're helping financial advisors. And um we're probably making a big jump now. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. While we're talking, I texted, I texted my assistant to move my two o'clock. So I, <laughs> so I could, okay. I could talk a little bit more, but, but yeah, it is, it is, it was a big jump and it'll be a big jump right now in this podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, so if we have some more time, I'd lo- yeah. love to talk a little bit more about how you went from the, the first business that you started and, um, and then what you're doing now. So, I'm always curious. So the first business that you start, how was that like? What what were the steps that you took initially? How did you get started? You know, it was a, it was just jump. It really was jumping in. I quit my job. I wrote a business plan. I made five calls. I was mentioning that before to five people I really trusted, and five just because that was my list. Um, and I, I knew that I had to. I, I knew what I needed to make on a monthly basis to survive. And I remember having that number in my head and just saying, if I could just get a couple clients, keep the lights on, I can build this. And I remember hitting my annual goal within the first month. And that gives you a lot of confidence when you, when you have a little bit of success early on, yeah, but I, I less realized, anxiety. Oh, it's tremendous. <laughs> I mean, forget it. And keep in mind, I did not come for money. Everything I've had, yeah. I've built myself. For me, it was survival. Like this yeah. cannot fail. It just cannot fail. And, and I just obviously told myself that every day, but I also had spent 10 years building rapport in the industry with financial advisors mm there aren't many young female consultants or coaches in the business. Mm -hmm. So people knew me a little bit within some firms and those are the people I went after. And I said, I'm I'm trying to build this consulting business. And the people who I had already worked with were very open to hiring me. And then that helped me gain a little bit of traction. And I, I learned a lot from the early consulting engagements about capacity about how Mm -hmm. difficult it would be to build a business Mm -hmm. and also be the primary worker in the business and primary marketer of the business. Mm -hmm. And so that, that, that teed me up for the the business I've launched now, but the consulting business was just wild. It was like just trying to land advisor clients and then speaking, I would speak anywhere to anyone Mm-hmm. for free. Eventually I obviously yeah. now charge fees, but I, I just, I never had that feeling of somebody owes me something or yeah. they don't want to hire me because I'm a young woman. I never thought that way. It's, yeah. I need to prove myself and I'm, I'm giving myself six months to do it. And that's how I built it. Yeah. That, that's really fascinating how, how, how you got started because, you know, throughout the years you invested in yourself, you learned the skills, you worked at other firms and then you built a network and by the time that you were ready to start your own consulting company you already had the foundation in place and now the only thing that you had to do which is obviously the hardest thing also is to hustle and just to 
you know, make things happen and build something from the ground up. And, and that's ultimately what it is to start any business is that like you, if you don't have a staff or you start out with very little resources and, and you know, you just got to do almost everything. And then once it's up and running, you can, you know, take a little bit more breath, but. <laughs> well, yeah. And the, the truth is it, you, if, first of all, going all the way back when I first started consulting in the business, I was very young and didn't come from a Bain or McKinsey, yeah. got rejected from McKinsey right out of school. I, I'm like, it, I didn't ha- not have the profile, but I knew yeah. I had very high emotional intelligence and critical thinking skills and self-awareness. And that's kind of all you really need if, if you're going to consult or coach. But I remember thinking to myself early on, if I'm going to do this as a career, mm-hmm. I need to be smarter than than everybody else in the space. And not that I am, but that is what I always told myself. So mm. I dedicated my 20s and people ask, ask me all the time, I sacrificed my 20s to my career. I learned everything there is to learn about building an advisory business. I would cold call like the owners of very successful consulting companies mm-hmm. like Ron Carson, who's just, you know, a giant in, in this space. And I would say, I, you know, let me learn from you. So I just really committed to being knowledgeable enough that if I ever got pushback, you're too young, you're female, you're, it, it would, it would, it wouldn't hold water the minute I started doing my work. The hardest part about consulting advisors and then literally consulting advisors on how to build a business, that's my whole career, to then running a business, mm-hmm. you now have to take your own advice. So yeah. what I relied on is the things I knew to be true because I had seen it happen for others. So hiring very early, investing money to hire people, it's the scariest thing you'll ever do. It pays off. Mm-hmm. Um, taking a leap of faith to you know bring on a partner, whatever it is, y- and, and knowing who's a right partner or not, these are things I had taught other people and now had to do myself, which is way harder, by the way. But, mm-hmm. but, it, but it, I think it helped, it helped me build it quickly because I had sort of been through the foundational steps with others mm-hmm. as a coach. Yeah, that, that, that's really interesting to have that background and then be able to execute. And, and what was your pitch uh, yeah. back then? So the way I really built the business, you're going to think this is funny, but I think you'll relate to this, is I had a network. It was a very niche network, financial advisors, independent in the retail industry, retail wealth management, meaning the advisors serve individual investors and, and consumers. I export, this is really how I did it. I exported every email I ever had in all of my email accounts, mm-hmm. <clears throat> put them in a list, and I started recording videos that I would email to people. Mm-hmm. And it was 10 minutes wow. once a week, and I called it Wednesday Wisdom. I still do them. I don't do them as frequently, <clears throat> and I, I just recently put them on YouTube, but it started as a newsletter, mm-hmm. and it grew from zero to thousands of people. And it was just me recording a 10-minute video that was high impact, very relevant. It was related to helping a financial advisor solve a problem that they were likely having that week. And the reason I knew what problems they were having that week is because all I do is talk to financial advisors. Mm -hmm. So I'd record this video and the first email I ever sent, and the videos to this day, they're not edited. 
Mm-hmm. I do them with no script. I do them on this computer. Like it's not high tech stuff, mm-hmm. but people liked the authenticity. And so I, the first email I ever sent out was I've launched a consulting business. This is what I'm going to be consulting on. Mm-hmm. This is my specialty. And if you subscribe to this newsletter once a week, you're going to get a 10 minute clip. I promise you will walk away with something that helps you shift belief systems. And that's what I I focused more on the coaching than the consulting. And here's why you can literally Google anything you ever need to know about running a business. How do I write a business plan? How Mm -hmm. do I market myself? That stuff you can learn in a book, how to shift mindset belief systems and behaviors, that's the hard shit. And so every video I recorded was about that. So it started at 10 minutes a week and people started sending it to other people and subscribing. And that's how I really built my reputation as a consultant and the first business, which is called Thrivos. So yeah. And I still, I still have that newsletter. Yeah. And, and it's uh, what well, the interesting part about this is that, you know, the information about starting a business, et cetera, is, available online or in books and everyone could access it. But what's difficult, and this is what you did for others, is how to apply it to a certain industry or a certain challenge. And I I think that's really attractive. If I'm a financial advisor and if I see someone who has has done the work of, you know, actually doing the thinking for me, it was like, okay, here's what you could do uh, in in the industry and applying all of that knowledge that's interesting and then the other thing that i that that i often um, see is when people start a business they want to uh, tell people to hire them or talk about you know what they do um, instead of showing it and, and you making those videos is actually a demonstration of your skills and, and the value that you can bring to people instead of say, oh, yeah, let's schedule a call or whatever. Like, you know, here's my website or whatever it is. Right. You're just basically giving them the product already, uh, but in exactly. a video form. And I speaking a lot about the psyche of the financial advisor business owner was helpful because I felt that, and maybe it's because most consultants in this business are male. I don't know, Mm -hmm. are middle-aged men. I was very comfortable talking about the topics that consultants don't talk about. And I've, Mm -hmm. by the way, I've sat in legit consulting meetings. I've sat in all sorts of meetings, private equity pitch, like everything. You don't get to the soft stuff. You don't sometimes get to the the stuff that underlies and underpins consulting. And it's mm-hmm. the reason why I wanted to be a consultant, but I am trained as a coach. So for me, I would talk about, for example, I talk a lot and I did early on about dopamine and financial advisors, the, the ones who've been in this business a long time, started many of them as stockbrokers or mm-hmm. insurance salesmen. And so their dopamine pathways were formed a very specific way, selling something to somebody. The industry, our industry has changed dramatically. People don't want to be sold something anymore. Mm-hmm. They want to be in a relationship with somebody who's going to advise them. Yeah. The problem is financial advisors, many of them still think like salespeople. Mm-hmm. 
not many consultants talk about that stuff to advisors. And I found that, and most of my clients, by the way, have been men and talking about ego and self-worth and the way, why we, we build our businesses a certain way where the business is solely reliant on us, which is not the right way to build a business, right? Mm -hmm. By the way, right? You need to, to, to not be the only one relevant to it, but talking about that stuff really it a light bulb went off for many people and mm. people liked talking about that and, and getting to the really important stuff. And that's always been the way I've consulted. It's a mixture of concept and behavioral change and behavioral change being the, mo- the more important one. The behavioral aspect of any type of profession and particularly in investing is so important. And, you know, you, you helping with that aspect, I, I can totally relate to why financial advisors find that so useful. And, um, I still, I still have a lot of, uh, readers and listeners who have not worked with a financial advisor. Can, can you talk a little bit about what an advisor does for individuals? Absolutely. And the, the advisor role has evolved a lot. And so I'll talk about the financial advisor role that that I believe is most helpful and most relevant to investors and consumers. And this may be surprising to some people. It is not the person who's going to find the hot stocks for you. If you are in this business, you know that the, the and I'll, I'll say average, but I don't mean average, like not special. I just mean the traditional household family, working family that wants to retire comfortably and put their kids through school, et cetera, needs to work with a financial planner. So, and there is a, in, especially in the United States, there is mm-hmm. a certification, the certified financial planner certification that denotes that that person is qualified, yeah. not just to understand how to invest your money, but that understands how your money and assets fits into the greater picture. So what a financial advisor should do for you is two things. Number one, help you identify your long-term financial plan and goals. And not just long-term, but short-term, because we know that the younger generation, like our parents, they, my dad never takes a vacation. He works seven days a week and he's Mm -hmm. comfortable like that. I, that's not my style. I want to enjoy life today. So short and long-term growth, they help you prioritize what you want and then literally help you build a plan to get there. That plan may include investing money in the market. It usually does, but it might also include other things like how to minimize taxes and should you Mm -hmm. buy or rent? Should you invest in this investment property? So every decision that you make as it relates to your life and your finances, theoretically, you should be leveraging your financial advisor for that. Mm -hmm. I often say when I'm speaking on stage, other than a medical professional, a financial planner is one of the top three most important people you can have in your life. The problem is so many advisors and our industry is oversaturated and so many don't operate that way. Mm. It's actually hard to find a really good advisor. And easy if you're a good advisor to become successful. That's absolutely correct. Right? Yes. And if you think about yes. these things, if you like what you mentioned, if, if you as an advisor do that for people, then I think you be successful because this is exactly what people need and often don't get. Uh, but that, that that's really helpful, I think, for people to really think about the 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 definition 
I'm an advisor, like in an ideal world, how will they help me? And, uh, and not only just because in, in, I don't know if it's still the case, but in the past, it was like, try to sell me stuff of their friends, right? right? right. Who they have partnerships with or whatever. Yeah. And I tell, I tell people all the time, financial advisors are salespeople. So you're going to get in front of somebody and they're going to sell you. What you need to listen for is, is the financial professional talking to you the way you need to be spoken to, or are they speaking to you like you work in the industry? And here's what, what I mean by that. When you go to most financial services websites, they use language that doesn't make sense to the average family that's not in finance, like comprehensive wealth management. Like that doesn't mean anything. Like nobody yeah. talks, wakes up exactly. what and does says, it do for me? yeah, right? exactly. It- what the hell does that even mean? Yeah. Or, you know, commoditized service. Like we need to stop using this okay. industry language and describe what we do in a way that resonates with people that are not in our industry. And so when you're interviewing for a planner or an advisor, pay attention to the language that they use. It's yeah. really important. Yeah, that's that's really fascinating stuff because we all assume that we know what we need to look for, but it's it's always good to just take a take some time to think about because it's really like you said, I, I like my advisor is actually my accountant who and he has an office and I was tax people, but it's one of the most or it's one of the most, probably the most important aspect yeah. of my life. Right. Because if I don't have that stuff settled, I pay probably more in taxes or, you know, like I got the, some my you know wealth not set up correctly long term. So that's why it's so important and the work that you do. So to wrap things up, what, what's the best way for people to learn more about what you do if you're a financial advisor? I can assume that some people, if you're not even a financial advisor, find Absolutely. it useful as well. Yeah, my business now, Journey Strategic Wealth, is a firm for financial advisors who want to build an independent business. Like the, the, I run the company, and what I wanted to create was a place in which financial planners can serve clients the way I just described. So I'm pretty much all over. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter at Thrivos LLC, and my company's name is Journey Strategic Wealth. And if you Google that, you'll find us and and can learn a little bit more about what I'm building with my partners. All right, great. Benny Phillips, thanks for being on the show. Thanks. This was awesome. Appreciate it.